Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 6. Mark 6. Well, before we go to Mark chapter 6, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless these words to our heart. Father, we love you and we thank you again, God, for the opportunity that we have to study your word. We ask you now that your Holy Spirit would remind us, God, of these things in the daily chores of life. Sometimes when we feel like our little hands get so heavy, we can't hold them up anymore. God, that you would use these words today to enforce and re-encourage each one of us, God, as we need and depend upon you each day. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 6. And again, as we look at this, we understand a couple of things. Jesus was always on the go. If somebody didn't like what he had to say in one place, he just kept right on going. Now, a lot of us, when we share our faith with somebody and somebody snubs us or or they're offended by what we have to say, we go, well, God, I'm never going to do that again. Well, you know, God doesn't want you to be that way. Jesus had many people that rejected what he had to say. But that didn't stop him from continuing to do what his heavenly father had called him to do. And, fa- and really, if you look at it, what, the, what your heavenly father called you to do is basically the same thing that heavenly father called Jesus to do. And that was to do and be about the will of, of God. So again, whatever it is that God has you doing, do it with all your heart. Don't be discouraged. And we're going to look at how you deal sometimes with discouragement here. Because Jesus, now we find from uh, crossing over from the gatherings. We remember that he told his disciples, we're going to cross over to the other side. We remember they crossed over to the other side. On the way, crossing over to the other side, a big storm came up on the Sea of Galilee. They woke Jesus up. They said, Jesus, we're all going to die. Now, I don't know how Jesus could sleep on a boat that was sinking, but that's what they told Jesus. Jesus must have been totally worn out from just loving people and sharing with people. And, you know, sometimes you feel that way when you give and you give and you give and you get tired. Well, Jesus was worn out, fell asleep on a boat that the disciples woke him up and said, As a ma- last master, we perish. As a matter of fact, we're going down. And Jesus said, where's your faith? Gets up, calms the winds and the seas. They're amazed. They said, even the winds and the seas obey him. What manner of man is this? They get to the other side of the lake. They find a demon-possessed man. Jesus casts the demons out of this man. They go into the pigs. The pigs run off the cliff. And then Jesus uh, tells this man to stay in the country and be a witness for him. Meanwhile, Jesus and his disciples now go back over to the other side. And as they went back to the other side, they met uh, the Jarius and, and his daughter that was ill. Well, now Jesus, we find, goes to his home country, his hometown. And this is in chapter 6 of Mark. He says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. So Jesus didn't go alone. And by the way, friends, when you go wherever you go, you don't go alone either. There's people around you who love Jesus. You have the invisible Holy Spirit that's there with you as well. So no matter what you do, you're never alone. That's something always good to remember. Verse 2, it says, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Which tells me something. On the Sabbath, he went and hung out with people who were trying to find God and, and love God. And I think that's a good thing. So if going to church was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, you know? 
And I think a lot of times people say, well, I don't go to church. Well, Jesus was God and he went to church. What does that tell you? So I think that's always a good place you can show somebody when somebody says, well, is it necessary to kind of, you know, go fellowship with people and hear the Bible read? Well, certainly Jesus did and now he was God. So uh, verse 2 is important. It says, and many hearing him were astonished and saying, where did this man get these things? Now, Jesus, as he was teaching, began to teach just not what obviously it said, but the spiritual application of what they were reading. In other words, you can hear something, but if you don't know how to apply it to your life, it's just kind of words. You ever notice that? It's it's when like the Holy Spirit takes the, the written word and all of a sudden it quickens to your heart and you go, ah, I get it. That's what it's about. That's what they were saying about Jesus. They said, Jesus now goes to the synagogue. On the Sabbath, he begins to teach. It was customary in those days that somebody would get up and read the scriptures. Jesus got up and read the scriptures, and then he began to expound upon it. And as he did, people were astonished, and they were amazed, saying, where did this man get this? They were amazed at the wisdom that Jesus had concerning the scriptures. He wrote it. You know, I mean, that's how he was able to do it. I mean, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus was in the express image of the Father. And so that's how he was able to do this. Well, notice this. This is important here. It says, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is which uh, is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now, now friends, this is important. And this is that you need to get this. People that are not born again... See God in you. And they know God is in you because you're different. Now, some people say, yeah, you're really different. You bet. And we're a lot different than we used to be. And thank the Lord for that. We probably couldn't be in this room together with everybody that is in here unless the Holy Spirit had touched and changed people's lives. We came from so many different backgrounds and and so many different kind of uh, 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 abnormal and strange things that we were all into. And God, the Bible says, all things pass away and behold, all things become new. That's part of what God does. Changes our desires, changes the things that lights our fire, you might say. Changes our purpose of life and our eternal destiny. This is what God does. Well, what's interesting here is the people in the synagogue, probably just showing up, probably doing the religious thing, hear Jesus with real wisdom and real power from the word of God saying, wow, where did this man get these things? And with what wisdom is he doing the miracles that he's doing? Friends, it wasn't because of the wisdom Jesus had that he did the miracles that he did. Do, do you see this a lot of times, how that happens? People see somebody that is, uh, has been born again by the Spirit of God. And they want to attribute what you do to something you've done rather than give the glory to God. Now, or, or, or in this particular case, Jesus being God, to, to say, hey, this is Jesus, uh, God's Son. They see something, but they don't understand what they're seeing. They see the power of God, but they think it's some kind of formula. Now, we've talked about this before, but you know what? The power of God in your life is not a formula. Well, you do this, you do this, you do this, and then God's obligated to do this. And you see a lot of times, even on Christian television and sometimes uh, other things, people selling God formulas. That's a dangerous philosophy and a dangerous religion, you might say as well, to say, well, if I do this, this, and this, then God is obligated and he has to do this. 
So I just use my faith words. I just claim my Americanus Maximus and I get it. Well, friends, maybe God doesn't want you to have an Americanus Maximus with tinted glass and Erico with gasoline at $2.60 a gallon. You know, maybe God wants you to go be a missionary next week and then you don't need the thing. You see, we oftentimes have it all figured out what God's going to do and the way he's going to do it. And God, I've crossed the T's, I've dotted the I's, and now you have to do what this is rather than saying, you know, Lord, I recognize the power that is in this person. And it's because of you in this person, not a formula, not because of wisdom, not because of something else. Now, friends, wisdom comes from God. They recognized, they knew that what Jesus was saying had to be supernaturally inspired. But that's not where Jesus got his power, nor is it where you get yours. Your power does not come through knowledge or wisdom. It comes through the Lord. And that's important to understand because a lot of times people want to attribute what they see going on in your life to something other than God. Well, you know, since, you know, Cindy Lou has been going to church, she got into this self-help program and I really see her improving now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, She used to go to AA. She stopped going to AA because they didn't serve drinks. And so she decided to try something else in her life. And she went to church. And and now a, a church has really helped her a lot. Have you heard that one? Friends, do you know that it isn't church that helps a person? It's God. Now, a church, a lot of times we think, well, yeah, these four walls, that plaster and stucco really makes an impact in a person's life. You know, it's not that. It's a relationship with God. And you'll find oftentimes in your relationship with people, they will try to give credit to anything or anyone but God. Listen, friends, you being a different person is a direct result of the power of God in your life. And you know what? People see that. And it's irrefutable. And they can't figure out. There's something to scratch their head. Well, is that the same guy we used to work with? Well, he doesn't throw things across the shop anymore. Now, that doesn't mean sometimes you still may not get upset with things. But you know that if you're born again, you're a lot different person today than you were when you first came to Christ. Because God has started his restorative work in your life and he's doing and he's making you into his image. Now, I don't know how God does that, but that's something the Bible says that he will do if we're willing to let him do that. But I got to be willing to let him do that. Again, it gets back to the battle of the wills. And some of us are more willfully strong than others. And I have found sometimes we're more willfully strong in certain areas than in other areas. In other words, oh God, yes, um, you know, you can take this away from me because I really never liked that sin anyway. So yeah, go ahead and take that one. I like this sin. You, I'm going to hold on to this one a little longer. And God goes, give me that, give me that, give me that. No, 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 no. And we get into this will fight thing. God says, give me that. It's going to hurt you. No, but I like it. God says, it's killing you. I don't know. I don't care. I want to go. And God finally wrestles us to the ground. And we really come to the understanding that God, you're right. And again, people, a lot of times they want to attribute these things, the changes, you know, and you know something, remember this, God never takes anything out of our life that he doesn't put something better in. Remember, anything that we ever hold on to in the world is an imitation for the real thing that God has for us. And so people see that God has been doing something in your life. They don't understand it by saying, oh yes, God has been doing something in that person's life. 
maybe the people you work around, they have to acknowledge that there's God. And then they think, "Uh uh-oh, if that's what God did in their life, what will God want to do in mine? And they run away. So it's easier just to say, wow, I'm really glad to see religion has done something good for you. Or I'm really glad to see wisdom has really made that impact in your life. But in reality, it was God doing the work. And God is what confronts them. Now notice, now, we said all that to say this. Now this is important. So it says, and what wisdom, last part of verse 2, is this which is given him that mighty works are performed by his hands. Eeny beeny, chilly beeny. They're looking for a formula, something that you do. See, in other words, what wisdom does he have that he's able to do these things? Hey, it isn't, it isn't wisdom, it's God. Notice now in verse 3. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, uh, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So the perpetual virginity of Mary here is really blown to smithereens on this verse. And friends, again, remember that. Because a lot of times people have traditions, oral traditions that are not in the Bible, that many times we believe. But the Bible corrects a lot of times our misunderstandings of things or something that's been orally passed around uh, that that say, well, you know, ever since, uh, you know, I can remember, we've always heard that uh, Mary never had any other children. She was a virgin uh, when she had Jesus and then she remained a virgin afterwards. Well, that's not what it says here because the whole point of it was what Jesus says in the next verse. Now, so again, it says, are they, our sisters not with us? And they were offended at him. Isn't that amazing? You know why? Because you see, he was common to them. They, they watched Jesus grow up. Do you know many people have watched you grow up as well? And they say, well, uh, you know, who, who's Jimmy to be telling us about God? Uh, we raised him. I, we remember when, when we, used to, we used to spank him for stealing candy. And now he's telling us about God. And they don't understand that it isn't them. It isn't Johnny or Jimmy doing that anymore. It's God in them. And because God is in them, God is in you. You're a new creature in Christ. And because you're a new creature in Christ, now there's a standard in which they can't resolve in their minds. And the only way they can do it is to discount you and say, well, you know, isn't this the carpenter's son? Or isn't that Joe and Betty's son? Or isn't this, you know, uh, you know, somebody's daughter or whatever? And by that way, discounting the message that you bring. You see, you can't discount the message of God. So they have to discount the messenger. That would be us. Now, if you can discount the messenger, then maybe you could try to discount the message. Remember, Jesus said, it isn't you that they don't like. It's me in you they don't like. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. And friends, I'm amazed by that. There are many people who go around and think they're fine, great Christians. You know, they got their Bible and they're trucking around. They may even have a Jesus bumper sticker on their forehead. But that doesn't make them a Christian. It's when they're confronted with the truth of God and your real presence of being a Christian pales their phony religion that they hold on to in some way to make their conscience believe that when they die, they're okay with God. Friends, it's a tough tough place to be. And what they see is they see you who was raised, you become born again. Again, they couldn't understand what... 
What wisdom does Jesus have to be able to perform these miracles, friends? It wasn't, it wasn't wisdom. It was a relationship with his Father in heaven, the same relationship that you have that allows you to be what you are. They can't handle it, so the only thing they can say is, hey, this was just that little snot-faced brat that ran around here. And now, look, he's telling us all about God and things. And so Jesus, verse 4, got up and said, boy, I'm out of here. No, it doesn't say that. I'm never going to tell anybody about my father again. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Now, a lot of times, friends, the reason I say this is because we get our feelings hurt. I get my, my feelings hurt. I'll start, you know, somebody will come up and ask me about cars or, you know, something, and I'll be talking to them, and, you know, and, and somehow it gets around to God, and, and, um, and, and uh, all of a sudden they get offended. No, you know, you know well, okay. You know, maybe, maybe your heart isn't where it's got to be right now to receive a message of change in your life. I don't know that, so I'm going to go ahead and poke the bear and see if something happens. That's okay. You know, God has a way of, of, of using that. You know, sometimes, you know, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's really weird how God works. I mean, there's, we always, like I say, we like to come up with formulas. It's like I heard a true story one time. And about a guy that was witnessed to all the time by his friends. A couple of them, you know, they were praying for him and stuff like that. I don't want to hear that stuff, you know. And he was mad and never wanted to give. And, it's, and, and the story goes that he was walking down the street and a piece of paper stuck to his shoe. And he tried getting it off and finally reached down and pulled it off. And it was a, it was a, it was a gospel track, the kind like we give away at the county fair. And he looked at it, he read through it, accepted the Lord as a Savior, and went back to his Christian friends, telling them that he just accepted the Lord. And they said, that's what we've been trying to tell you for years. And the whole message was new to him when he read the tract. And I think, wow, how dark, and this is what the Bible says, is the darkness that's in this world that it's cloaked from those that don't understand or believe. And you never know that if whether God's going to use you to open that person's mind and soul and spirit to the kingdom of heaven that day, even though maybe for 20, 30, 50 years they've been rejecting God. You, you don't know. So Jesus, notice what he says in verse 4. He says, but Jesus said to them. So he's addressing these people that are attributing the power of God to wisdom or something else. A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. In other words, you'll be received anywhere and anywhere except maybe oftentimes in your own house. That's why oftentimes, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas are such difficult times. You know, you get together with your relatives and your friends and everything like that, and they know you're different, you know, and everybody's you know, in the living room, uh, you know, getting stoned and, or whatever. And you're going, I'm not doing that. And they go, whoa, what's the matter? You got religion or something? You know, and, and uh, I don't let them get away with it. You say, I, I got Jesus. There's a big difference between a relationship with God and a bunch of rules and regulations to somehow put buggy springs on our, on our cart on our way to hell. You know, there's a lot of times people want to do that. They, they, they're on the road to hell, but they want to have this, this feeling that I'm okay, you're okay kind of thing, you know. Well, the problem is, again, we don't get rid of our sin by imagining it away or, or wrapping it in religion. We get rid of our sin by asking Christ to forgive us. That's how we get rid of our sins. 
And and it's the blood of Christ that removes that sin. Only the blood gets the sin out. Um, And you won't hear sin around the collar anymore. You know, because again, this is something that God does. This is why God made that provision. It isn't something we can do in ourselves. Well, Jesus looks at this and he, the way he responds to their criticism in saying a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. In other words, a prophet will receive honor anywhere except oftentimes in his own home. And this is what happened to Jesus. He didn't let their criticism beat him up and give up. He was able to address the situation so that he could continue to do what God had called him to do. Verse 5, it says, Now he could do no mighty works there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Notice again, they were trying to attribute the power of Jesus to something rather than a relationship with God. And they had no faith and nothing happens. But the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so God has a way of honoring our faith. Now again, it isn't a formula, friends, because again, you can have faith that God's going to let you win the lottery, but if that's not in the plan of God for your life, you're not going to win. But when you are in the will of God, and you step out in faith, that's where the power of God takes hold in your life. Now people said something to me one time. They said, why doesn't God do miracles uh, like he did in the Bible? I go, he does. But most of us, if you'll really study, we like our comfort zones. We like our little fences. We have everything the way we want it. Where and what do you do in your life? Now, this is this question. Because I ask myself, I, I, these are self-analytical questions. You ask, why do I do this? But do you think about this? What is one thing that I'm doing in my Christian experience that I need to see the raw, manifold power of God? And you know what I've found a lot of times I have to say? Not much. (laughs) What I'm saying is, none of us walk close enough to the edge for us to see the power of God. Most of us don't walk close enough to the edge to need to walk on water. We don't walk enough, uh, close enough to the edge. And what I'm talking about the edge, the edge of evangelism, where you step out in faith and you say, well, they may reject me, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And I'm going to take my foot and step it out, you know, out of the boat where it's comfortable. And I'm going to see what God's going to do. And, and, and God challenges us in faith, and God honors that. He says he could new, do no great works there because of the lack of, of faith. Now, friends, again, what do you want to see God do in your life? Do you realize that I believe a lot of times that, that, that what we want to see God do in our life, God has initiated that unction in your soul already? In other words, there's things that we want to see accomplished in our life. I believe a lot of times God put those there. Now, there's sometimes evil things. And if, and if they're evil and the Bible says they're wrong, well, then you know God didn't put them there. But I think there's a lot of times God's put things in people's hearts long before they're born again. That all, in Christ is the only way they'll ever be fulfilled. But that's where, again, faith comes in. And if you think it's just going to be sun comes up, sun goes down, sun comes up, sun goes down, sun comes up, sun goes down, and everything changes, never, nothing ever changes, everything stays the same. Friends, I can pretty much guarantee you it probably won't unless you put Jesus into the equation and step out in faith and say, okay, God, I'm going to see what you're going to do. See, in other words, put your faith in gear and see what God will do. Put your belief in gear and see what God will do. It's not a formula, friends. It's a relationship with God. Saying, okay, Lord, let's get on and do what you want to do. Now, notice he says here. 
He marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about in the villages in, in a circuit teaching. So, it tells me that what he didn't accomplish the first time, a circuit means you start here, you go to this village, go to this village, go to this village, go to this village, and then you come back to the village that he started. And that tells me something. Where a person may not be ready this time, they may be ready the next time. What I see here is don't give up. The power of God is still there. God is still intending and purposely wanting to do something. And you know something? What a lot of times causes us to realize our need for God? Real life. Has real life ever beat you up? My hand is up. There's a way, and it's funny, how real life can beat you. And it isn't oftentimes until we go through some heartache and some trouble and some problems in our life that we realize There's got to be something else out here to help me. Well, that's something, and that someone, the only one that's really there, is God. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226, and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time. It's Time.